Let's turn to um, Matthew chapter number 6. Uh, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to come together and worship. Thank you for a wonderful week of kids camp. Thank you for all the parents that sent up kids, Lord. Thank you for all the kids that went. God, I pray for the decisions that were made at camp, Lord, from our group and from other groups, those who put faith in you, Lord, those who decided to get more serious about you, Lord, whatever it might be, I pray that you'd be with them and help them. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter number 6, I don't know if you've ever had somebody say this to you and it doesn't help, but maybe you hear the words, don't worry about it, right? Does uh, you guys ever hear something like that and it just doesn't help you? We were in Bolivia. I was walking. We were, I was with Andrew Wilder. There was already something to worry about, but we were in a place, Grace, what's the jungle place called? It's Inca Chaca. Am I saying that right? It was awesome. It looked like I was in the rainforest. It was amazing. But there'd be these giant valleys, and to get from one valley to the other, they deemed it best. Instead of using like a straight, solid metal bridge, let's use like rope and some planks, and uh, we'll walk across that. And it was incredible until you started, until you got to those points. It was a beautiful journey, the great destination, but it was dotted with these bridge crossings. Now, the bridge crossings were great, but you'd cross in pairs or you'd cross by yourself. And for some reason, I got paired up with Andrew Water a couple of times. And uh, we'd be walking across these old drawbridges uh, of which you can look through the slats and you could drop a rock and you could see the rock disappear and not here at the ground like you were up that kind of high. And uh, we're walking across and Andrew's having the time of his life. He's on the bridge. He's making it rock and move and sway. And it's a good old time. And there's one part in which it's wet. Uh, it's like a little slick. There's like algae growing in these things, moss, whatever it is. And uh, Andrew turns around and looks at me and says, hey, Greg, bro. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, what do you mean don't worry about it? It's, it's, it's hard not to worry about it. And each time we'd cross a bridge, I'd walk like a baby giraffe across, and he would look at me and say, don't worry about it. And uh, it didn't help me because as we were on that beautiful journey and as we were going from place to place, my beautiful journey would be interrupted by these terrible, terrible bridges. And maybe you find yourself in the same, same situation, right? Life is great until it's not, right? Life is going well until you get that email or that phone call or that text message or you clock into work or you have that certain family member, whatever it is. And whenever you see them, the reaction is you just got to worry. And maybe you weren't as fortunate to have Andrew out of there to tell you don't worry about it. But seriously, how in the world do we win over worry? This is, um, it's been a fun study. I got to kind of talk about this at teen camp. But worry is an awful thing. It's terrible. It seems to be something that all people go through in their lifetime at some point, right? Maybe manifests itself in different ways. Maybe it's like the cold sweats or a lot of people don't like to eat when they get worried. Some people love to eat. That's me. I can make some mint chocolate chip disappear. Um, maybe it's an upset stomach. Maybe it's a racing heartbeat. Maybe it's a nervous stomach, butterflies, loss of appetite. Maybe different things trigger worry for you. Bad news or uh, that certain coworker or certain people or maybe it's going certain places or certain noises. Maybe it's certain thoughts. Maybe it's you're scared of your past, or maybe it's what's going to happen tomorrow, or what's going to happen down the road, or the political situation, or whatever it is. There's a lot of things that can cause worry. How do we beat worry? How can we overcome what seems to affect everybody? If I can tell you something, Jesus in Jesus, we can find the solution for worry. And it's a great thing that Jesus shows us how to find the solution for worry. Judges chapter number 6, God reveals himself to Gideon as Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. If I can tell you something, God has real peace available for all of his children. We can have victory over worry. Let's go and look at our text here, Matthew 6, 25. Jesus is giving one of the greatest sermons ever given. And uh, Matthew 6, 25, this is what he says. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet your body, what you shall put on. 
Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Adrian Rogers says God won't feed the chickens and starve the children. If he takes care of the birds and the things in nature, he'll take care of us as well. Verse number, 20, verse number 26 or 27. Which of you by taking one thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the leaves of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither they spin. And yet, yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. After all these worries do godless people live. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye need that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the, of the things of itself sufficient unto the day, are the evils thereof. And it's in this passage of text here that the Lord Jesus reveals unto us how we can win over worry, how we can beat anxiety, how we can win out over it. First thing he's going to do in this, though, is he's going to give us the causes of worry. He's going to tell us what causes worry in our life. The causes of worry, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25, as we would find out, it would be our, be our appetites, the things we want. Look at what he says in 625 and 620, uh, 626. He uses terms like eat and to feed. Those are food terms. I know those very well. Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, for under your bo- uh, nor yet for your body. Matthew 6, 26, 26, Behold the fowls of the air, neither they reap, nor do they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Hunger, or the fear of it, is a cause of worry. Will I have these needs met? Will I have these appetites met? And Jesus addresses this concern by pointing them to nature. Isn't that incredible? He says, look at nature, Matthew 6, 26. Behold, go take a look at the fowls here. Go take a look at the birds. They don't work for what they have, but they know where they gather in the barns, yet God takes care of them. If God can take care of nature, if he can take care of the birds, if he can take care of the things that are in the wilderness and out there, we surely know he can take care of us. What's actually quite incredible is Jesus goes on to tell his followers in uh, John 4.34 that service to God with faith is better than food. Look at what he says in John 4.34. Jesus saith unto my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus' food was to obey God. In a very real way, as Christians and believers and people who want to live lives submitted to God, we can trust him to take care of us. But the first cause of worry that Jesus points them to is, he says, a cause of worry for you may be your appetite, may be your desire for food. Will I be taken care of? Will I be sustained? Will my needs be met? In 2023, what does that look like? Will the lights be on at the end of the month? Will I be able to afford this bill? Will I be able to go to where I want to go? Will I be able to vacation where I want to vacation? Right? There's a lot of different implications as to what those appetites may be. We can trust the Lord to take care of them. But the first cause of worry that can be for us is our appetites. Not just that. He then points us to appetites. He looks at apparel next. Matthew 6, 25 reads, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. What am I going to wear today? Maybe, maybe that one affects, affects the ladies more than the men, but I've had it before where I wake up and uh, you go look at the closet and you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to wear today. You just kind of panic. I'm going to be late. I don't, you know, these polka dots and stripes don't match. I don't know what I'm going to do, whatever it might be. And it's causing you to start to worry. Look at what he says in Matthew 6, 28. Why take ye thought for your raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they grow, how they tore not, neither they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
I can tell you, he references apparel here. They're worrying about what will be worn. Maybe it's to look cool. Maybe it's to look nice. Maybe it's that people notice you. But I can tell you, it also may be, maybe it's just to avoid being cold. Whatever that might be, he tells them not to worry about apparel. And how does he solve this? He again refers them to nature. Matthew 6, 28. Take, consider the lilies, how they toil not and neither do they spin. If we go outside and we look at the grass, if we go watch the grass grow, which is quite boring, but if we did, if you would notice, the grass and the things in nature, they don't worry about how they look. They don't worry about what they're going to wear. They don't worry about what's coming up. They don't worry about if they'll be warm or if they'll be cold. They just depend on the Father. If God can provide for the flowers that wither and burn, can he not take care of us? Look at what he says in verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothes the, gra- clothe the grass of the field, which, is to, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? If God can take care of the grass of the field, if he can take care of the birds, if he can take care of the flowers, we know that he can absolutely take care of us. There, notice what he says here, too. He says they're better provided for than Solomon, which if we, if we read that, I mean, that seems somewhat hard to believe. You know, Solomon had a lot going on for him, had a whole navy, all that gold, silver. You know, we can, we can go check out what the Bible would say about Solomon in 1 Kings. But the Bible says that the flowers that depend on God's provision is better. That's a principle. What God provides for us is much better than anything we can provide for ourselves. We can trust God to provide for us. We can trust that what he provides for us will be good. Paul tells us this, that all we need to really be content is food and clothes. Look what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare into many foolish hurts and lusts, which, men, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Next verse, we come to find out that having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So we see that apparel, we see that appetite would be big causes of worry. But then Jesus also references appearance as well. Matthew 6, 27, which you by taking one thought can add one cubit unto his measure. Uh, in a real way, if, if you really wanted to change how tall you were, there's not much you could do to do that. Uh, I mean, a lot, uh, being a tall person or a taller person, Brother Dan, you probably get this too. A lot of times people come up to you and they say, what's the weather like up there? Or uh, can you hear me down here? Or hey, watch out for us down here. And they say that and it gets kind of frustrating. There's sometimes you're like, man, I would, I really just kill to be 5'5". Five, five. You know, it just sounds like it'd be great for a little afternoon. And as much as I want to think about that, as much as I want to make that happen, there's really not much I could do to do that. There's, there's nothing we can really do. In a very similar way, there's not much you can do to really change your appearance or change your stature. How many times do we find ourselves worrying because we're saying this, if I could only change this about myself, or if I could fix this about myself, or if I could be this, this, and this about myself, or if God had made me this, then I'd be happy. How many times do we find ourselves worrying about the exact same things? Jesus teaches us that even if we were to worry about it, there's nothing we can do to change it. In essence, don't worry about what only God can do or what God has done. He tells them not to worry about their appearance. If I can tell you something, reminder for those of us who may worry about our appearance, God has created us, he has made us, and he has made us just how he wants us. Psalm 139, 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knoweth that right well. You, my friend, have been made designer brand. He made you just the way he wanted you to be, just how he wanted to be, just when he wanted you to be made. He created us on purpose, with a purpose. No such thing as accidents. God has made us how we should be. So Jesus lets to list the cause of worry, well, causes of worry. He says your appetites. Will these needs be met? God, can you provide this, this, and this for me? He then says your apparel. What am I going to wear? What am I going to put on? How am I going to look? And he says your appearance as well. The things we want to change about ourselves, but we just can't. But he also gives us in the same passage the consequences of worry. Because worry does more than just stay internal and more than just staying here. Worry manifests itself, sometimes in very terrible, not good ways. But let me tell you the consequences of worry. The first thing is worry 
is in, its, in its essence, it's faithless. Because when we worry, what we're doing is, what can I do? What can I change? What can I go get? What can I provide? What can I fix? What is broken that I can put back together? When we worry, it is faithless. It removes God from the equation almost entirely. Not just that, worry also occurs when we don't consider God. It occurs when we don't seek God. And it occurs when we trust ourselves to be the problem fixer. Let me tell you, worry is godless. When all we're worried about is food and clothes and stuff and the house and the bills and the yard and the lawn and the neighbors and whatever, it's godless because it isn't worry. God is not considered at all because most of what we worry about is just temporal, carnal, present things. Jesus wants us to fix our focus. When all we worry about is food and clothes and stuff, we're essentially living as godless people. That's how Jesus is able to say in this passage, after these things do the Gentiles seek. Because when we live only caring about what am I going to eat, where am I going to sleep, what am I be taken care of, it's faithless, it's godless, it's almost animal-like. Sinful anxiety is nothing but functional atheism. When we live, we're only worried about the things in front of us. We're living essentially as godless people. Jesus says it well in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled, for ye that believe in God believe also in me. If we believe in God, we trust the Lord to take care of us. We live mindful of God's presence and his provision and his power and ability to take care of us. I can tell you, he will, he can, and we should live mindful of that. But when we worry and we let worry rule our lives and dominate our lives, we're living as godless people because God is not being considered. Because if we just take a moment and step back, we have a lot of Bible promises and a lot of Bible truth and precedent as to who God is, what he can do, what he has done, what he has the ability to do, what he's promised to do. And when that, when that kind of weighs out against our problems, God always comes out as bigger. But in the moment, it's really easy to get almost tunnel vision or you don't want to look vertically. You're just looking at everything around you and you let the problems pile up and they seem too big to win, right? They seem bigger than God. If we just took a step back and got the Bible perspective, the biblical perspective, we'd realize very quickly that God is much bigger than any problem we're going to go through. He created this world. He's in charge of this world. He rules. He sits as king. Jesus is Lord. All that's in the Bible. Our Lord wins. He's in charge. And we live lives that are just focused on the problems we're living. It's, it's faithless. God is, we're not thinking of God. Not just that. Worry is also not harmless. In a very real sense, worry also harms us. If, if Jesus tells us not to worry and we worry, that is disobedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. We should not live lives that worry. To live a life of worry is a life that is disobedient to Jesus Christ, which I know sometimes it seems like it's easier said than done, but Jesus has told us, worry not. We do not have to worry. He's given us all the solutions and what we need to win over worry. Worry is harmful. It hurts us. Yes, in a very real physical way, blood pressure, all those kind of things, but on a spiritual way, much more. Worry is against God, goes against God. But also that, not just that, worry also, it harms the heart of God. It hurts God's heart. Because if God is providing for us, and he's giving us things, and he's taking care of us, it harms his heart. I didn't realize this until I started giving gifts, but I have a little cousin. You guys ever give a gift to a little kid? Any parents in here, you know, you, you give a gift to a child. I have a little cousin. He wanted a train. He wanted like a little train set. I did. I worked a little bit extra. I got on this train set. It was awesome. It was Thomas the Tank Engine. I was pretty proud of it. And I took it to him. And when I got it for him, he unwrapped it, and his smile went very quickly away. And I didn't get him the right engine, and he didn't like it. And I, remember, I just remember it was like, man, this wasn't even my present, but that hurt. That kid rejected what I got for him. I'm never getting him anything for Christmas. But no, I mean, what, what I got him, he rejected. I gave him this gift. He didn't like what I got for him, and he rejected it. And in a real way, that, that hurt. Well, how much more do is, does God provide for us or he gives us what we need or he's meeting our needs and it's not the manna we wanted, right? It's, we want meat instead of manna or we want this instead of that or no, no, they had leeks and garlic back in Egypt or we want to complain about the way he's providing for us and our needs are ultimately being met. 
that kind of worry, that harms the heart of God, that hurts God's heart. As our loving, caring, all-providing Father, when we live a life of worry and He's meeting our needs, it doesn't help us. But He also gives us the cure for worry. He's shown His worries causes, appetites, will my needs be met? Am I going to be taken care of? Will I be helped? Will the lights be on at the end of the day? He shows us apparel. What am I going to wear? Who's going to, how am I going to be covered? He shows us appearance. How do I look? He then gives us uh, the harm for the, the, da- the danger and worry, the damage or he does. But Jesus also gives us the cure for worry. First thing is, let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse number 32. Look what the Bible has to say about the cure for worry here. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. The first thing that Jesus does is he's going to fix their focus. He's going to take them from being looking down horizontally. He's going to have them look up. If I can tell you something, the cure for worry is we need to remember who our Father is. We remember the Lord who, who's in charge, who takes care of us. First thing is we've got a good Father. Matthew chapter six, 7, verse 11 says this, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more then shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask of him? And a real practical example Jesus gives here is if carnal, earthly, like human parents know how to take care of their kids, know when their kids need to eat, know when their kids need to go to bed, how much better is God who is perfect and all-powerful and all-provision in his bank account, never runs out, how much better is his provision? If we being people can take care of things, how much better is it when God takes care of us? First thing is God, he, he fixes our focus. Jesus tells us we need to look up to our good Father who can take care of us. We must fix our focus. Matthew 6, 33, look what the Bible says here. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus then tells us we need to fix our focus, we need to fix our thinking, but then we need to turn and we need to seek the Lord. He tells them what the first and what our priority should be. And this is kind of counterintuitive as well, because if you're worried about food or worried about having your needs met, the logical thing to do would be, well, I need to go work more hours, I need to get a side job, or I need to go fix this, or take care of these things, whatever it might be. But Jesus simply tells them, you need to seek first the kingdom of God. You need to seek God first. You need to give him priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does that look like? Well, he lays it out very simply for us, but seek. That is to look for. That is to earnestly desire. That is to want. That is to, that is to try to engage, to try to find. That is, that is to follow after. To seek ye after what? The kingdom of God. The place where God rules, where he reigns, where he is in charge, where he sits as king and lord, and all the great attributes and titles the Bible gives him. Seek that first. Follow that first. Give that priority. Give that first thing in the morning. Give that last thing before you go to bed. Make that the most important. Make it the number one thing. First things first should be to seek first the kingdom of God. Make it the most important thing. We should seek first God's kingdom, the place where he rules, the place where he reigns, the place where he's in charge. We should trust that entirely. We should seek after it. Let it be the priority. What does it look like in our lives practically? Maybe it looks like reading God's word on a larger scale. Maybe it looks like giving more time to prayer. Maybe it looks like engaging more and serving, serving around the church. Maybe it looks like reaching people. Whatever it is, we should seek first the kingdom of God. Look for the place. Look for where God's in charge. Seek it first. Give it priority. Let that be the very first thing. But also notice he says, seek ye first. That is personal. What's really crazy is nobody can win your anxiety battle for you. Your, your worry battle can't be won on well, somebody else's behalf. It has to be one personally. Seek ye first. We must individually decide that we're going to seek God first. Give him priority. Give him what he deserves. The kingdom of God should be sought first. We're not just seeking his kingdom, not just seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. All, all the good things about God is righteousness. We would have us to do his word, his character. We should seek after all of that. We must fix our focus on the kingdom of God.
And notice that Jesus, he says this, and he gives us the solution there, but doing so, so much, seems so much harder than, uh, it seems easier said than done, right? But we're told we're to seek it first. And why? Because later in the verse, all these things, the things we're worried about, the food, the clothes, the apparel, the appearance, all these things will be added unto us. God will take care of it. He will make it work. Our good Father will take care of us. All that is great. We're not to seek the things on earth. Notice the location as well, the kingdom of God. Not things on earth, but the things that pertain to God and his kingdom. We're to seek that, and we're to seek it first. It deserves priority. We need to make him in his will and what he have us to do and what he calls us to do and to be, we need to make that our priority. We need to live like he's our king. And, uh, and the Bible teaches that I'll take care of all of our needs because the great part about our king is he doesn't let any one of his subjects go hungry. He takes care of us. We can trust him as king. We need to live like he's our king. He'll provide. How are we told? Seek him first before anything else. Before we go seeking dollars, before we go seeking stuff or status or houses or fame, whatever it is, seek him first. Don't go seek the fix to the problem first. Seek him first, and he will take care of it in the way that only he can do. But not just that. He also gives us the second aspect or the second component to this. Matthew chapter 6, verse number four, 34. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take, shall take thought of the, uh, for the things of itself sufficient unto the day, or is the evil thereof. We're told another biblical principle here. So yes, we're to trust God. Yes, we're to seek him first. Yes, we're to be dependent on him and to seek him and what he wants, what he'd have us to do and how he'd have us to live. All that's to be sought first, absolutely. But then there's another concept here that Jesus introduces, and that just be the concept of faith, right? I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what next week holds. Well, actually, vacation Bible school, if you should sign up. But uh, I don't know what the future holds. I don't, know, I don't know what battles are coming up. I don't know what's down the pipeline. I don't know what's going to happen with this and this and whatever it might be. Neither do you. We don't know what work's going to hold tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in our family. We don't know what's going to happen in our world. But I do know this. At the end of the day, my Jesus is going to be the exact same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that God is still going to be in charge. I still know he's going to provide and take care of me. And all the great things that he says that he teaches us in his word will still be true. We know that. For we know that for certain. So Jesus give, tells us, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. He says, don't worry about it. That does not mean throw away your calendars. That means, yes, you can still have plans. But it means this. Don't be worried about tomorrow's battles when they haven't even happened yet. Don't worry about the things that are not there yet. We are told to have faith. Jesus tells us to trust the Lord with tomorrow. What does that look like? How many times, uh, maybe, maybe this has happened to you, you get a text message and it's, like part, of, it's part of what they want to say to you, and you read, it, you read it partially and you get riled up, right? You get real angry or you get upset or you get sad, you get really happy. And they send like the second part of that text message and it totally flips how you felt. How many times do that with, with our lives, right? We, we get some bad news or part of bad news or something we anticipate is going to be bad. And then we're up, right, up in arms, ready to fight, ready to, ready to go into it. And next thing we know, it doesn't even happen or it doesn't go like we think it's going to go. Or it ends up going better than we think it's going to go. Or it doesn't happen at all. Whatever it is, Jesus tells us, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. None, absolutely not, nothing there. Did a deep study in the word no. It means nothing. Come to find out. It's deep. But we're told that we are to take no thought for tomorrow. And why? Because it will take care of itself. We've got enough going on today. We're to have faith. Look at what Jesus, look at what, look at what yeah, the, the Lord tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. But no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for it is evident the just shall live by faith. We see it again in the Bible, the just shall walk by faith. How do we live our life? It is totally, it is holy, it is entirely dependent upon God. What is it when we go into work? How is this day going to go? I don't know, but I'm going to trust the Lord with it. I'm going to seek him and his righteousness. I'm going to do what he had me to do. When we go back to school, kids, teenagers in here, 
How are we going to get through the school year? Or even worse, how are we going to get through the SATs? We're going to study. We're going to trust the Lord. And he's going to take care of us. And we can have faith in him for tomorrow. Our God is in charge. He rules. He reigns in our lives. Do not have to be ruined or bogged down. or We don't have to live in a state of consistent worry. We can trust the Lord. The Bible teaches us that he has tomorrow in his hands. And Jesus miraculously lays out so well for us how we can have victory over worry, how we can win over worry. Because God does not want his kids to live in worry. The greatest thing about it is, this is really neat, but when we live in our father's house, you know we also live under his protection. And we can trust him to take care of us, trust him to meet our needs, trust him to win the battles, trust him to provide for us. Whatever it is, we can trust the Lord with the things we worry about. So my challenge to you is this. As we go into our lives, as we go into our day-to-day schedules, as we go into uh, everything else and the other battles we don't even know that's coming, let's make sure we trust the Lord. Let's make sure we live lives dependent on him and wholly, wholly trusting him because he is trustworthy. And he gives us all the solutions here. It's faith in him for tomorrow, and it's trusting him and seeking him today. Let's make sure we live lives that are wholly dependent upon the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for this opportunity to give us to come together and study your word. Lord, I pray that you help us live lives that are dependent upon you and your word. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here, Lord. I pray uh, as we go out into life and as things that make us worry pop up, Father, I pray that you would give us uh, the faith and the vision, Lord, to seek you first, to trust you, Lord, to depend upon you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they get ready to go to work, Lord, and as they get ready to go back to school here soon, Lord, and all the great things you're going to carry them into. Lord, I pray that you let us live lives wholly dependent on you, lives in which we can trust you and call upon you, Lord, lives in which we trust you for tomorrow. Lord, I don't know what battles uh, we're going through or that are happening in this room, Lord, but I pray that you'd help us learn to trust you with them, Lord. I pray that you'd help us learn to see you as bigger than the obstacles. I pray that you'd help us learn to seek you first, to put you as a priority, God, to give us faith for tomorrow. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We pray that you bless the rest of the service. We love you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.